Christ to the world. Um, anybody heard the, you, during Christmas, you've, you've uh, sung the song, 12 Days of Christmas? You ever know that? So anybody know where 12 Days of Christmas comes from? 12 Days of Christmas is Christmas Day leading up to January 6th, Epiphany, uh, the revelation of Jesus. So that, that's where I, I, I just learned that. Like, so there you go. That's my gift. All right. Um, and then we go from Epiphany, then we go into Lent. That's this, that's this season that we're in. Lent is a, is a preparation for Easter leading up. It's, it's a kind of self-evaluation, repentance season. And then we go into Holy Week. Holy Week is uh, uh, starting on Monday. It goes through uh, Good Friday. It starts on, on Palm Sunday, then it goes through Good Friday, and then leading up to Easter. You got Easter. Everybody knows Easter. Celebrating the uh, resurrection of Jesus. Then after Easter, then you got Pentecost, the season of Pentecost leading up to uh, the celebration of the, the Holy Spirit's descent and empowering believers. And then we have ordinary time. Everybody say ordinary time. That starts right after Pentecost, all right? So in a couple months, we're going to hit ordinary time, and then it goes on for, like, ever. Like, it's just six months. It's just, like, ordinary. It's just ordinary. You know why? Because most of life, that's where we are. It's just ordinary. It's just ordinary time. It's just, like, it's Tuesday, you know? And you're like, what is, what's happening today? What are we going to do today? Anybody got kids that come up to you, and they're like, entertain me now. And you're like, I'm done. I'm done entertaining yeah, it's ordinary time. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start using from now on. The reason we have a calendar is because we tend to live into a calendar. How many of you guys, um, how many of you guys put things on your calendar? Like you, maybe you have a calendar app on your phone or whatever. All right, okay, so finish this phrase. If it's not on the calendar, what? <laughs> yeah, it ain't getting done. It's not happening. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know it existed. It's got, it's, if it's not on the calendar. So we, we kind of live into it, but not only do we live into it, we end up being shaped and formed by it. And so the church, since like the, the birth of the church, but really kind of formalized in like the 300s. I mean, you're talking about some seasons where the church said, these are things that we need collectively as followers of Jesus, to regularly look at and be shaped by. We need to remember the birthday of Jesus, not because we just sing happy birthday when it's birthday time. We need to rem That's like a significant event. It matters. We need to remember Easter. So these are all, these are all seasons the, um, that the church has practiced for a long, long time. And so we're in a spiritual rhythm now during Lent of Reflecting, self-reflecting, because it was necessary that Jesus show up, live a sin, uh, sinless life, die on the cross and be resurrected from the grave in order for us to have salvation and inherit eternal life. That, it, it was necessary. He, he, he had to die for us. And so it's necessary for us oftentimes to reflect and look back and go, okay, God's mercy is real and it's true and, and, and I need to remember it. Not so that we can just always turn around and go, yeah, I remember, I'm a worm. I'm a worm, I'm a worm. I've always been a worm. I'm a terrible person and God knows it and I know it and I'm just always, I'm just gonna keep, that's, that's called worm theology, all right? That's not, that's not, that doesn't go, that's not good for you. That's not good for your soul. That, God doesn't put that on you or me. 
But it, there is a season where we reflect and we go, no, no, no. I'm not going to highlight my worminess. <laughs> I'm going to highlight God's goodness. I'm going to highlight God's mercy. Because his mercy, his goodness, his forgiveness covers all the other stuff. We get called into being a son or a daughter of him. So we're in the Jonah series. This is our, our Lent series. We're in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah's about a guy who got swallowed by a fish. It's, it's, uh, it's more than that. Actually, very little of the story is about a fish. Jonah's, Jonah's not a good guy in the story. In, in the prophets, if you're reading the prophets in the Old Testament, a lot of the prophets you're looking, you're like, yeah, he's a, he's a, that, that's a good guy. Jonah's not a good guy. In fact, all the people in the book of Jonah that would typically be bad guys in stories are good guys. And Jonah doesn't, doesn't look good in the story. Jonah, you're expecting the prophet to be a good guy, shows up, he runs away from God, he gets on the boat, and he's with a bunch of fishermen. All right, The fishermen, the sailors in Old Testament Bible, Bible times have the same reputation as like a sailor would now. We have phrases for sailors. They blank like a sailor. Okay, same deal, okay? So, um, so Jonah gets on the boat. Well, the sailors all turn to, they all turn to God, and Jonah doesn't. And Jonah, uh, uh, Lindsay preached on that last week. And so then he finally, we just read it, he, he turns to God, and, and even, there's some even things in there that are, that, that are lacking, that are missing. And so he goes to Nineveh. He preaches a pretty lousy sermon. His sermon is... Is, is pretty short. It just is 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Y'all are like, bro, why don't you preach that sermon today? <laughs> that was it. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the whole town turns to God. And, and some of y'all know the story. We'll get into it in a couple weeks. He's not happy about it. He's, he, in fact, I wonder if he purposefully preached a terrible sermon just so maybe there's a chance they wouldn't turn. So, but Nineveh, who are... Horrible people. It's a horrible town. They turn to God. So all the bad guys are good guys, and the good guy that's supposed to be a good guy is a bad guy. It's not a children's story. Um, Jonah's not the good guy. You know, I, I, I remember when I was a kid, I heard about Jonah and the whale. It was one of my favorite stories. Did anybody hear about Jonah and the whale when you were little, when you were a kid? I, I, I saw the story of Jonah and the whale. It's not even that much about a fish. But I remember it was then, and I remember they had this, this board with like a fabric over it and cutouts of Jonah and the whale. And they put Jonah on there. I think it was called a felt board. They put, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Where's the felt board, Joel? All right, so we're going to imagine that felt board right here. And um, I remember they put that there, and, and the whale was up to, I think the whale may have even been smiling in the, in the felt board. And then, and then the whale swallows Jonah and I remember, I'm a kid, and I'm thinking, I want to I wanna be swallowed by a whale. Like, that, that sounds like, you know, this is, but this isn't. That's, the reason I say that is this, is because when we're looking at the scriptures today, it isn't really a children's story. And we got to be careful, especially those of you that have come in, you, you come in like you're pretty new to the faith and you're like Jonah and the whale. You keep talking about the whale. Jonah's in the belly of this fish. I don't know what's about to happen. Finish the story, Joel. Like you don't know what's about, I love that. All right, I'm going to get to that. But some of you guys have been, you know, part of, the, part of the Bible scene, the church scene for a while, and you know what's happening and you're going, yeah, Jonah and the whale, thanks for teaching on this. I learned it when I was six. 
And, and what I'm saying is, I, I think it was good that you learned it when you were six. I think it was good. But a lot of those things that when we were six or seven or ten or whatever that we learned about Jonah and the whale, maybe you need to file them away in the back of your mind because this is a, this is a real deal story about a man who ran as far away as he could from God. And God's mercy still showed up. And then he finds himself in the belly of a fish. And God responds with mercy anyway. It's easy to read the story in Jonah and go, Jonah, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And every time you read this story and every time you look at it, let me just change that out. Jonah is us. So every time you think, Jonah, why would you do that? Change that instead say, why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because that's what we would do. Look, I doubt anybody in here is going to be swallowed by a giant fish. Um, But even though we'll never be swallowed by a fish and, you know, live to tell the story, we all know what it's like to be stuck. We all know what it's like to be in the pit. We all know what it's like to be in between. We all know what it's like to be stuck and not be able to see our way out. I, I, last Sunday, I got on an airplane and flew in the morning here. Uh, I was on a retreat and I got out really early on, and flew out of Missouri and got here um, at like 10 o'clock. The flight came in at 10.04, all right? And, um, and I ran in here and one of my friends, as soon as I walked in, said, bro, you look like you need a nap. And it was accurate, I did. Uh, but I got on the airplane in Missouri, and um, it was, uh, they had made an announcement that it was going to be delayed. And, um, and they said that the flight attendants slept in, and they missed their alarm clock. And they told us all that. I thought that would not be appropriate to tell us. <laughs> and uh, I know. And, um, and so we, I think maybe they thought we were going to laugh. We did not. It was very early. And then we got on the plane, the flight attendants got there, and uh, thank you, and, they, and so we get on the plane. Well, then, then it's, you, you know when there's something like that's just not, you're not, there was some kind of mechanical issue, this whole time we got a mechanical issue, and then, then, the, then all the lights go off and the, like the plane turns off. I don't fly, it sounded like the plane turned off. It was silent, and the air turned off, all right? And um, the air turns off. There's a mechanical issue. He comes over the microphone. He says, hey, uh, we're going to get you guys going. We've got a little mechanical issue. Also, uh, the water in the bathrooms doesn't work. So heads up. And I'm like, where am I? So I'm on this plane, and I'm stuck. And I try to turn the air on because I've, I've, I've never really gotten this way. I feel like I'm claustrophobic. The walls are closing in. You can't leave. Or like the FBI shows up. I don't know all the plane rules. You guys know. It gets weird real fast. And so there's things you can say. There's things you cannot say. And I don't even know the difference between the two. So I'm just sitting there. And and I'm stuck. Anybody ever been there before? You're stuck. You just, everybody's been stuck before. Everybody's been in between. We've all been there. Maybe it's not an airplane. Maybe it's other places. Maybe it's real places in our lives. Maybe for you, it's a season where it's financial. Maybe you're in a hole wondering, when will I ever get out? I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in this financial in-between. Maybe for you it's emotional. Any given week, so much stress, you're just going, am I ever going to get out of this? 
Maybe it's relational. Will I ever get out of this hole? I'm stuck in this pit. Maybe it's spiritual. You know, you think about your life with God and you just wonder, will, will I ever get to a spiritual place with God where it's, it's, it's it, I, will I ever be there again or will I ever get there once? Everybody's been stuck. The tension and the question before us is this, where do you and I go when we're in a tight space? Where do we go when we're stuck? When you're confined, how do you relate to God when you're in between? Jonah was in the in-between. Verse 2, he says this, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me, From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Word there is Sheol, Sheol, (laughs) realm of the dead. It means um, death or the pit or um, it, 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 it can mean kind of different things in the Old Testament. Both, it's, it's the realm of the dead. Both good and bad people go there. It's, but, um, uh, you just kind of determine by the context kind of what, what part they're in. It's, it's, this is where Jonah is. He says, I'm in the realm of the dead. This is, see the belly of a fish, and there's a verse in there where he says he's got seaweed wrapped around his head. So we, he's given us a, a, a mental picture. You know, he's caught in the in-between, but if we're talking about you know, heaven, or we're talking about hell, why don't you just take a wild guess where Jonah is? The, the King James Version says, KJV says, it reads, from the belly of hell, I cried to you. So yes, we're talking about being in between, but don't cancel out your situation just because you think it's worse than what this sounds like. Don't cancel your situation just because you go, well, I'm not stuck on an airplane, Joel. That's cute. But like, I'm I'm not just stuck. I'm, I hate this. I, you know what? King James got it right. I'm in the belly of hell. Let me just tell you something. There's a word for you this morning in Jonah's prayer. This message is for you. And every one of us, you live long enough, you walk with the Lord long enough, you're going to find yourself calling out, God, I need help. I need help. We're talking about God's mercy. And if we're talking about God's mercy, then where is his mercy when I'm here? How do you relate to God when you're here? A lot of us, we respond when we get there by moving to a couple different areas. Some of us, we go to, you know, some kind of pathological busyness. You know, knowing I, I, I don't know when I'm going to get out of this, but I'm just going to get myself distracted enough until this thing disappears. Or, or some of us go into some type of substance abuse. We, we just soothe ourselves so we don't have to remember this dark place that we're in. But I have some mercy truths for you this, mor- this morning. And so if you're taking notes... You write these down that we, we can see in Jonah's prayer where he's in, where he's in the depths of the dead. He's in the pit. He's in the hole. He's in the belly of hell. And we somehow in this space can find mercy truths. First one is this. God hears your cries. God hears your cries. 
Verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. When, when we find ourselves feeling trapped, when we find ourselves stuck and in between, when we find ourselves even, even, even hell on earth, even if it's your own fault, there's a place you can go. There's a place you can turn. Some people call this, when it's your own fault and you get there and there's nowhere left to turn, and finally we look up and we turn to, we turn to God. Some people call that jailhouse religion. Kind of look down on it. Oh, that's, just jailhouse. that's just jailhouse religion. That's where Jonah was. That's where Jonah was, and somehow God still, God still heard his prayer. Listen to me when I say this. God is bigger then you're confused and you're conflicting motivations. Because at the end of the day, at some point, all of us are going to have a tangled mess of competing motivations. God is bigger than your conflicting motivations. You, here's the deal. You can turn to God. You can turn to God. In your anger, turn to God. In your sin, turn to God. But you're like, yeah, but I'm like, I've been in sin. I'm a sinner. Good. Perfect candidate, you know, for the mercy of God. When you're there, turn to God. In your, in your mess, you're like, it's not even my mess. Somebody created the mess for me and I'm in it. You can turn to God. When you're lost, God, I don't have any answers. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. I can't, I can't see. I'm in a dark place. God hears your cries. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. God's bigger than your fault. God's bigger than your sin. God's bigger than somebody else's sin. God hears our cries in the belly of hell. At the end of the day, you can, you can turn to God. Jonah's in a tight space. He's in the in-between. He's not dead, but he's not alive either. Sometimes we find ourselves there. You're like, I'm, I'm my, my job. I'm in, in the job I'm in. I'm not dead, but I'm not alive either. I'm stuck in this relationship. I'm not, it's not dead, but it's not alive either. You could turn to God. The second one is this. Your prayers don't have to be original. Your prayers don't have to be original. How many of you in here would say you are probably one of the best prayers ever in the history of the world? Like your prayers, like if anybody hears your, if, anybody, if God hears anybody's prayers, they're your prayers. Anybody, no, don't raise your hand. Okay, good. good. Success. We're winning right now. Good job. No, no, there's so many of us, so many of us would be like, I just can't. I stand up here with a microphone almost every Sunday, and at some point I'll pray a prayer. And I'm just telling you, oftentimes I'll stand up here and I'll go, God, you have to have somebody better. <laughs> you got to have somebody better. Somebody who can say these words better. Somebody who can pray these prayers better. So if I'm doing this and I'm standing up here every week, I know so many of us, so many of you in the room are doing the same. You're going, I, 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 there's, there's, I don't, I just don't have the words. Here's what I can say to you. Here's, here's what I say is this. The first one is this, is that when you pray, you just pray what you have, not what you don't. Pray what you got. Pray whatever you got. Whatever's there, you just pray it. God doesn't speak English anyway. He speaks heart. And he already knows what's there. So just, 
shared. The other one is this. Jonah's prayers weren't original. Jonah's prayers were right out of the Psalms. He's praying out the Psalms. Your prayers don't have to be original. You don't have to have the best words. You don't have to have the fanciest phrases. You know, the first 20 minutes of our service this morning, we were praying somebody else's prayers. You know, those were the songs we were singing. That's what, that's what we were in. We were all singing them together. I didn't write those. I don't think you guys wrote those. What are we doing? We're singing them together. So the Psalms are there to help form our words. It's kind of like um, God's not offended by our words when they're other people's words. Anybody ever bought a card, like a Hallmark card? Anybody ever bought a Hallmark card? There's three of you. Okay, so I'm talking to you. Um, There's a few different Hallmark card people, okay? You've got the, the Hallmark card person who buys the card, and they have words on there, but then they fill up the card with all their words, and then they're just writing all the words. They're like, well, I got more than that. And so he's flipping over, and then they fill out some words. And maybe they get a little, little notebook paper, and they write some more words, and they fold it all in there, and they get, that's the, all the words. Anybody, anybody that's you, like, you're, I'm, gonna, I'm writing all the words. And then you've got the people that buy the cards that, um, not a lot of words, but you take the words that are in the card, and you're like, mm, I like that, so you just underline it. Anybody, any underliners in here? Like, I'm just an underline. I mean it. I mean it. I didn't say it. I didn't write it, but I mean it. And that was a good phrase, and I'm going to circle it. All right, circle it, and a little heart, and the, there it is. All right. Anybody? In, and, then, and then you have the people that get the cards, and you're just like, this is my card. And so you write your name. This is, yeah. All right. How many of you have ever gotten a card from somebody, and you're like, you open up the card, and you're like, oh, that's stupid. They don't even mean it. No. No, we all get the card no matter if there's notebook paper attached to it, underlines, or a name. We get the cards and we go, thank you. Thank you for the card. Listen, listen, whatever prayers you have and however you deliver them, God doesn't look at your prayers and go, I, you know, I, I would have had, I've used some little bit different vocabulary on that one. <laughs> I love that Jonah's praying from the belly of a whale and, he, and, and a belly of a fish in the, in, in the belly of hell. And he prays these prayers and he I don't know if this is true, but I think of it this way. I think he's out of words. I don't think he has any more prayers. I think he's going, I can't even, I don't even know how to, I, I don't even know how to frame. I'm, my, my, I'm so lost right now. And he pulls these words in that he's heard from in other places. And he creates this prayer and he puts it together, compiles it from the Psalms. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Jonah, Jonah's prayers are, not original. Yours don't have to be either. The other one is this. God didn't put a time limit on us. You can call on the name of the Lord at any time. Any time. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. God never said, oh, too little, too late. I got you down in the belly of the fish now. You should have prayed before, they, before that thing swallowed you whole. That's not how God works. So much of walking with Jesus is us getting false pictures of who God is out of our minds. God is more gracious and more merciful. He's just better. He's so good. Better than you and I will ever exhaust. 
that we'll, that we'll ever get through. God's goodness is that good. Jonah says, when my life was ebbing away. You ever been there before? You, you just, it's going away. And Jonah turns, turns. Even if you do wait, God sees and God hears. The hope is that we wouldn't wait to the last minute. There's things in my life, and I'm sure there's things in some of you guys in your lives where you go, man, if I could go back, I'd change that. I wouldn't have waited. I wouldn't have waited to the last minute. Thank you, God, that you cover, all, you cover my life. You cover. Thank you, God, for all that. But the hope is that we wouldn't wait to the last minute. But even if we do, God hears it all. God hears your cries. The other one is this. Number four, God remembers us. God remembers us. Jonah's not saved because he remembered God. He's saved because God remembered him. The English in, in that, that phrase in the scripture there, it says, um, I remembered the Lord. Uh, but it's, it's hard to see in the original language. It's hard to see where the, the emphasis is. In, in, in the original language, the words are flipped and the emphasis is really on, on the other. It's, it's the Lord I remembered. It's, it's not on what Jonah has done, but on what the Lord has done. We, we're rescued by God because of God's love and mercy, not because of anything that, anything that we've done. Every day, every day, at some point, we forget God. You ever been in that place where you just go, you're going through your day, and then all of a sudden you remember, oh yeah, the Lord. <laughs> oh yeah, God. I do that. I do that. My job, my occupation, is to remember the Lord, and I find myself forgetting the Lord all the time. And there's regular times where I'll say, oh yeah, the Lord. It's not to say that the Lord forgot about me or the Lord forgot about you. It's to say that, oh yeah, I remember that the Lord never forgets. He never forgets. The Lord, I remembered. The Lord never forgets. And then Jonah, his prayer makes a turn from a cry to a principle. It turns from a cry to a principle. He says this in verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So, so Jonah's confinement leads somehow to clarity. Helps us to get clear of what we've been clinging to. Our, 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 um, our money's not going to save us. Our job is not going to save us. Our new relationship is not going to save us. So the point there is God's confinement leads to clarity. God's confinement leads to clarity. So maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't have any statues in my house, Joel. I don't have any idols. I don't have idols at my house. What, what, what is an idol? An, an idol is when we take a good thing and we make it a God thing and so it becomes a bad thing. All right, let me say that again. It's when we take a good thing and we make it a God thing and it becomes a bad thing. So for example, we take money. Money, a good thing. But our money is never going to save us. Your money's not going to save you. Your money, you'll never have enough in your bank account to where one day you'll turn around and you'll go, okay, finally, I feel... I feel good. I feel uh, this is where I needed to be. I'm, I'm, I feel 
I'm saved. Money will never, it'll, it'll never bring you there. It'll never take you there. Your job will never save you. A new relationship is never going to save you. These are all good things, but they're not God things. When you're in a tight space, you start getting clear on what matters most. That's what Jonah does. He, he, he gets clear. He goes, worthless idols, I'm not going to cling to those. I'm, I'm getting clear. I'm in a tight space, but now that I'm here, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of clarity on what matters most. Anybody ever lost a few things, and then all of a sudden you begin to get some clarity on what matters most? Maybe you've been in a rhythm. You've been in a, you've been in a mode where you've just been focused, so focused on this thing, this job, or this occupation, or this relationship, or this distraction, or this what the entertainment, this Netflix, this whatever, you're, you're so in, and then all of a sudden you lose this thing. You find yourself in a tight space and all of a sudden clarity shows up and you go, oh my goodness, this was never going to save me anyway. I didn't realize it had eked its way in and made its way up to the top. And Jonah gets clarity, clarity there. And then... The last line of his prayer, Jonah says something odd. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And then the fish vomits Jonah up on dry land. If the worship team, if you guys would come on, make your way on up. The fish vomits Jonah up on dry land. You got to love this picture. Whether you're a kid or you're an adult, you got to love this picture. The fish, giant fish, come and vomits Jonah onto dry land. Here is Jonah in the depths of death. This is resurrection power. We're headed toward Easter. And this is the picture of Jesus in the grave. Jonah is literally being swallowed up by death. But Jesus is the better Jonah. Jesus in the tomb, however, swallows death. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. There is nothing more powerful than God's resurrection power. When he takes a dead thing in my life, and he makes it live again. There's, there's, there's nothing more amazing. The greatest miracles, the greatest miracles aren't, let me tell you some great miracles. A great miracle is seeing someone who, is, uh, who can't hear, and all of a sudden they can hear again. A, a, a great miracle would be seeing someone who's blind and then they're prayed for and then they can see again. I, I've got a, a pastor friend who just got back from South America. They were doing a service and he said, Joel, he said, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. He just told me this week. He said, I watched a lady come to the front. We prayed for her. He said, she was blind. All the, all, everybody, everybody knew she was. She came in and he said, I watched her eyes open up and she could see. He goes, I, I, I watched, he goes, I've never seen anything like it in my life. That would be amazing to see. And yet, at the same time, the resurrection power of God 
available in each of our lives. That's not even the greatest power. It's the resurrection power that's in us. His ability to take something that is wrong and broken and off and destroyed in our own lives, even if it was our own fault, and to somehow come in and, and bring good, bring good out of it. How, how, does, how can God do that? How does God do that? How does he take a dead thing and bring it back to life? Only God can do that. That, that is the miracle of resurrection power. And one day, we believe in the resurrection, and one day, all of us, everyone that has ever placed their faith in Jesus will be resurrected to be with him forever. But there's resurrection power available for every single one of us today. How do we know that? Man, Jonah gives us a good glimpse. He gives us a good glimpse. Romans 8, verse 28 says this, and we know that in all things, everybody say all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love that while Jonah's still in the belly of the fish, he starts to worship. He says, but I, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. This, this is the life of faith. This is the life of faith. Trusting that God's going to do it. So would you do this with me this morning? Would you stand up while we sing this song? We're going we're to practice what Jonah did. Whatever weight, whatever burden, whatever that thing is that's in your mind or in your heart, here's the challenge. Bring it to the Lord this morning while we sing this song. I'll come back up in a minute and we'll dismiss.